0: Welcome back, Decode Your Burnout fans, to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And today we are joined by Kim Addis. Did I say that right? Addis? Addis. Okay. And Kim is the founder of Frame of Mind Coaching and the journal that talks back. Recognized as a pioneer in the field of leadership coaching and thought mastery. Kim uses her unique philosophy and quirky coaching style to help leaders identify their blind spots and lead to direct their thinking to achieve extraordinary results. Author, speaker, entrepreneur, coach, and mom of five, Kim's claim to fame is teaching her powerful coaching process to leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs worldwide. Kim, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I saw your your eyes light up when you read mother of five. And yeah, uh, that's a common, common reaction.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not something that you you come across every day. And yeah,
1: w- when I think of it, it's like, wow, that's that's a lot. To be fair, I didn't give birth to them. But I have them all. Um, I uh, I inherited three. And uh, they became full time mine. So, you know, blended family, but five kids full-time incredible experience. You still get the credit. (laughs) I'd say, you know what they say, step mom, step up, step aside, step over, step into all of that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So obviously based on your introduction, you are somebody who coaches people who are very stressed out. And
1: how did you get into
0: this work?
1: Oh, well, okay. Actually, you, you know, you always like to hear about a burnout story, but I'll tell you a little bit about my, my own history and, and, and some of the experiences that I had. So I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've owned, this is my third business, but the last business I ran, um, we used to build simulation based assessments and those assessments were designed for the purpose of helping companies figure out who, the best performer would be in any given job. And so I was doing that for quite a long time. And uh, I had two partners, one of them is now my ex husband. So we worked together. And when our marriage fell apart, it became very hard to work together. And so I mean, that's, you know, stress moment number one. Um, but I ended up selling my shares of the company. And I was like searching, you know, what's my next move. And very quickly after that, I got recruited by a coaching company. Um, And I explored how they did coaching. I mean, I don't know if you can relate to this, but as an entrepreneur, it's really hard to work for anyone else. So I lasted there about eight months. And I, for two reasons, number one is I really didn't fit well with their corporate culture. And the second reason is that I observed how they coached and I thought, I think they're doing it wrong. I think there's a better way to coach. And so, um, but throughout that whole period, I was like going through incredible stress because suddenly I sold my company. I, you know, didn't that, that was so much part of my identity. I didn't know who I was. I suddenly became a single mom and I got married so young that I never really dated in my early years. So suddenly now I'm out there dating and wow, it's like the wild west, right? Wild west out there. And so I I was under incredible stress. And one of the things that I did to handle the stress was I journaled like every single day, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And it helped me to figure out what I wanted, where I was going, It helped me to redirect myself when I was feeling really, really bad, when I felt sorry for myself, when I felt mad, when I felt like I was losing my mind, all of that. So, I mean, that's my kind of stress slash burnout moments for, you know, early on in my life. Yeah.
0: And thank you for sharing that. I I don't think we've had a guest on so far that actually talked about the power of journaling at least um as an exclusive sort of a tool so it's really nice to hear that that was something that really kept you afloat
1: it's hard to break up it's hard to go through divorce it's not an easy experience and so you feel a lot of stuff like just stuck in your throat stuck in your chest stuck in your stomach and it gave me a place to just like release
0: super important yeah Yeah. i love how you number one, you talked about this idea of being an entrepreneur and not being able to work for other people, because I mean, that is definitely a sign that you are a true entrepreneur at heart. Um, And and secondly, that you said, I could do it better, right, which is also very entrepreneurial of you. And I could totally relate to that idea. And I love that you didn't just kind of get sucked into their culture of like, well, I guess that's just how it's done. But that you can come in and take what you've learned
1: and actually add to it and make it even better. Is, oh, I scrapped yeah. it and I recreated something completely new because okay, I was, I was in an environment where I'll give you an example. The mentality was, okay, like they had a sales team, sales team, you need to make X number of calls a day. Let's call it a hundred. But if you've only made 80 calls, then you've got to do 20 push-ups. Well, that's not, my approach to life, right? It's not about okay. like just making calls, it's about quality. It's about connection. If you're really connecting with someone, it's going to take longer. And that connection is going to lead to something really special. But if you're just making the calls and not worried about connection, you're focusing on the numbers as opposed to the making an impact. And so from the very very beginning, I just like there were so many things there that just rubbed me the wrong way and I I mean I was simply not a fit. Not a fit.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I know that you've created the, your whole new process for your coaching clients and what you really focus in on is helping them with their blind spots and then helping them just be more successful. And so I know you've also prepared some myths that you're going to debunk for us here
1: based on a lot of
0: your experience.
1: So what's the
0: first one that you have?
1: So a lot of people ask me, you know, can I, can you please help me create better work-life balance, this whole concept of work-life balance? And I think to myself, I don't think that's what you're after. Like, that's not the goal here, right? Like the the whole idea of everybody craving work-life balance is, um, I think, misguided. And let me give you an example. So like, I don't know if you have kids, but if you go to a park and you see two kids in a playground... And they're on a seesaw and they're in perfect balance. What's happening? They're not moving. Nothing's happening, right? No, no. movement, no action, nothing's happening. And so do you want a lifetime of perfect balance? You don't, right? You're, you want the ride. That's why you're on the seesaw to begin with. You might want moments of balance, moments of stillness, but you don't want to have a lifetime of that. What you want is to have the resilience to be able to handle the ride when it gets a little rocky, when you're bumping on the ground or bumping on the top of the seesaw. You want the strength to be able to handle it so it's not so frightening or not so nauseating or whatever that is, right? You want the resilience. And so for me, it's not about creating a life of work-life balance. It's about really enjoying the moments in each place and leveraging that experience and giving you the strength to be able to handle it when things get off kilter as they do in life. So that's what I'm really here to do. It's not to create this perfect, okay, you've got like eight hours at work and then eight hours at home and eight hours of sleep. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in what's your quality of life in every moment? How are you engaging? when you're at home and you're with your kids are you present when you're at work are you maximizing your potential like what does that look like so it's not about work life life balance at all
0: okay and and i i think that's a really important point because i mean for me i always think about the problematic idea with work life balance is not that we can't have some sort of balance in our life but that the definition of it is problematic. I think oftentimes people are say, oh, it's not possible. And I say, well, that's because you're, as you said, dividing it into like eight hours here and eight hours there. And it's like, that's not necessarily what I have in mind when I right. talk about it. Right. Yeah. It's more about like, if you are exerting a lot of energy over here, what are you doing to recapture that energy to charge yeah. your batteries over here? Right. And if you're
1: just focused on this one area, yeah, you're going to be depleted. That's what we see with burnout. Right. And what I'm interested in is beyond how do we fill ourselves up? It's the question of, are we balanced emotionally? Oh, yeah. Right. So when we have more emotional resilience, we have the ability, the capacity to ride the wave with greater ease. You know, so kind of like a surfer. Mm hmm. They have balance on that surfboard. They are the ones who have balance. It's not the waves that are balanced. So how do you help your
0: clients achieve that resilience and that ability to manage the turbulence?
1: So what I'm interested in is a very specific relationship. I'm interested in the relationship between the way a person thinks and the outcomes or the results they're getting in their lives. And when they're not happy with the results, we kind of rewind and start to examine the thinking patterns, the beliefs, and very often all that's required is slight tweaks to the way a person thinks, which causes them to behave and handle things very differently. Right. So usually when you think about coaching, you think about behavior modification. Okay. Like you want to get these results here, are the 10 things you need to do. Well, I'm not interested in managing people's actions. I'm interested in seeing how they think and helping them think in ways that more easily allow them to reach their goals. That makes so sense, it's, Right. We're smoothing it out. Yeah, because we know that everything starts
0: from your thought process. It creates your feelings and your feelings create your behaviors. Your behaviors create your results. And so if you start at the top, it's just like a much easier cascade. Exactly that. You're speaking my language. Yeah. Okay. So so that's the first myth. Uh, What is the second one?
1: The second one is, and this has a lot of um, controversy around it is that empathy is very useful. That's a myth. Okay. So if you, if you ask the world is, is it important to be empathetic? Everybody will say yes. But I think that empathy is one of the most misunderstood concepts out there because let's define it first. What is empathy? Empathy is putting yourself in the shoes of another person and feeling their emotional state. So empathy is not an action. It's an emotional experience, right? So you feel the emotions of someone else. So let's imagine that you're a leader. Let's imagine you're a coach. Doesn't really matter. And you walk by and you see someone drowning in a pool. How are they feeling? How how are they feeling? What's your guess? Terrified. Terrified, desperate, um, panicky, breathless, all of those things, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. And so now the minute I feel empathy, now I feel terrified, panicky, breathless, scared to death all of those things right and mm-hmm. in that moment i've disabled myself from being able to help them it's almost like i've just jumped in the pool and started drowning right beside them so empathy in this moment is not useful it's important for me to have compassion i'm not going to see someone in a pool and just continue walking right i see someone in in a pool my brain says they need help but i need to be able to have some kind of strength and i need to be able to envision them safely out of the pool so from that strong standpoint, I can reach in and grab them and pull them out, but not if suddenly I'm panicking too and I'm in the pool beside them. That's not useful.
0: Right. So you're basically saying what you want is to be more compassionate than empathetic.
1: Yes. I, I, I think that empathy and leadership and coaching is um, detrimental, causes problems.
0: Because when you're compassionate, you can understand. The suffering without having to be in it, correct? Boy, yeah. you get me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and what is the
1: final myth you're going to debunk for us today? The final myth is this is like obviously, I'm a journaler, um, but people believe that journaling should be a very private experience, and what I'm here to say is that sometimes if you allow someone a qualified person, ideally, but not necessarily someone else to read your journal, the insight you can glean from that experience could be life changing. Um, and that's why one of the things we do is we we ask our clients to journal in a private and secure online journal, and we read their journal and ask them questions and give them feedback on a daily basis. It's extremely powerful. But a lot of people think journaling is a private experience. And the myth is, or debunking the myth is it doesn't have to be a private experience. It can be a very collaborative experience and it could be, you know, mind blowingly positive, uh, in sharing some of your most personal feelings and thoughts with someone else.
0: Okay. So you've now really shared two different things about journaling. And I think it's really important to highlight. It really depends on what your goal is. So when you were going through your very stressful period. Journaling is really what saved you. It was an opportunity for you to dump all of these negative emotions onto the paper and get stuff out of your body when you maybe felt really alone in the process. So it was there to kind of help you just take some of the stuff out. And that's really healthy. And what you're saying now is that it's not something that you have to do on your own. So if you are working with a coach, for instance, then it's a great opportunity to really look at your blind spots because as you're writing them down, the coach can look at especially coaches like us who are really focused in on the thought process, right? We want to look at what are the ways in which you're thinking about situations that are going on in your life, because then we can understand why you feel so stressed out and then make those little tweaks that you've talked about that help us to reshape your thinking which will then change a lot of the stress and and help you kind of
1: decompress. Exactly, and I I mean, I can talk about this for a long time, but from a coach's standpoint- It's really important that I know my clients very well. I need to know how they operate, not just in one place, not just at work. I need to know how they think across situations. I need to know how they show up at work, but also at home, how they show up as a spouse, as a parent, as a child, right? Like I just, I need to see the big picture. And when they journal, I'm getting that extra data. And that data allows me to piece together a pattern, a pattern of behavior, a pattern of beliefs. And it helps me to understand how this person operates, what they value, but also what triggers them and why they are triggered and absolutely see their blind spots. But the journaling allows me to do that much faster because I'm getting all this data and I'm seeing those patterns faster, more quickly uh, in the process.
0: So to recap some of the things that you've shared so far, we want to move away from this idea of this 50-50 split between work and life and really focus on resilience so that we can manage stressful situations in our life as they appear. We want to, rather than focus on empathy, focus on, on compassion for other people so that we can help them when they're drowning rather than drown alongside (laughs) with them. And that when we journal and share what we've written with somebody who's qualified to look at it, they can find out a lot about us in a short amount of time and really help us to move the needle with regards to our goals and help us to really um, regulate our emotions more quickly, I think, as well.
1: All of that, all of that, exactly that. It's amazing. We should go on a roadshow together because I speak (laughs) and you translate.
0: (laughs) We'll talk offline about that. (laughs) There you
1: go. But it's exactly
0: that. Well, this has been really helpful. I just have one last question. And that is, I gotta imagine that sometimes when you share this idea of journaling with some potential clients, that you probably get some pushback because there are people who maybe get writer's block or they're not used to journaling, especially about all the different parts of their life, how do you help them get into the place where they can actually start to take this on?
1: Yeah. So the first thing we do is we give them a journaling prompt on a weekly basis. So every week they get a new journaling prompt and it's like a question that all they have to do is answer the question. So once they start the journaling prompt, they hit submit, it goes to their coach. I have a team of coaches, but it goes to their coach. And the coach starts asking them questions. So now it becomes like a conversation that goes back and forth and back and forth in the journaling space. But every time they answer a question, they're still journaling, right? They're still sharing their thoughts, they're still sharing their reactions, they're still giving you more of the story that they tell about themselves and on and on and on. So that back and forth helps the process too. But the journaling prompts that we give them are the kinds of prompts that they could use on a daily basis for the duration of that week. So First of all, the prompts are very helpful. The second thing is, anybody who comes to coaching, you know, to our kind of coaching, they know, I'm going to have to journal, it's part of the process. And they also know that if they journal daily, and, um, and we also record every call, and if they record, if they listen to the recordings of their calls, they're, they accelerate at a much more rapid pace. So they're incentivized to do that. They want to move forward. We typically coach people who are very highly driven, who want to move the needle quickly. So they're driven to do whatever it takes to get, to get into it. Do we have some times when people slow down in their journal? Sure we do. What do we do? We say, hey, we miss you. We'd love to hear you, you know, like haven't heard from you in a couple of days. Is everything okay? Would love to read a journal. So there's never a B rating. There's always like a a curiosity about why they're not journaling, but also sometimes we explore that. So you made a commitment to doing this and you're not doing that. You're not doing what you promised you would do. It's like, it's okay. I'm you know, I'm not here to beat you up, but I'm curious, where else are you doing that?
0: beautiful i i love this idea of the the back and forth it really helps to clarify some things
1: yeah and it also it also builds this incredible degree of trust which i think is very important for a Super. client to disarm and move forward with you
0: 100% so i know i said it was my last question but i lied i have one one final question for you one of the things you talk about a lot is helping really helping people see their blind spots, which is super important in, in, in our field for people who are listening. Can you share, what are some examples of blind spots that come up a lot that maybe you've helped people get in control of and what that did for their lives, for their career I'll, success.
1: I'll give you one, one very simple, very simple, simple, maybe a couple more, but I'll start with one, <laughs> one simple example. A lot of times people are focused on what they don't want instead of what they do want. That's a very simple and obvious and prevalent blind spot.
0: Yeah. I love that.
1: Yeah. yeah that's so once like an it, easy one.
0: So once you uncover that for them and you're like, this is what you're actually doing. Do they have this like huge aha,
1: like where, what, what happens as a result? Where, where does that, well, they start to learn new language. They start to learn a new framework, right? Cause we push them to continue like, right. Repress on them to say, okay, so you told me what you don't want. What do you want? Here's what happens when you're focused on what you don't want. Right, yeah. This is the impact on you. Is that what you want? That's not the what you want. That's not the result you're looking for. You're looking for this result. This thinking over here isn't leading you to the result you want. So which it's, is a, it's, there's a very which is logical essentially an, approach.
0: Another, another myth to debunk is, you know, focusing on, on what you don't want will help you avoid it. And really
1: what we know is that the more you focus on something, the more of it you get. Exactly. So that's like a very, very easy blind spot. But you know, there are many others, I'll give you another quick story. Uh, One of the journaling prompts we give to our clients at around like week nine or so, is we ask them to journal in their journal, we ask them to write an ideal conversation between themselves and anybody they want. They could write uh, a conversation with someone that they admire, someone famous, someone dead, someone from their past, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. The only parameter is it must be ideal. And 99% of the time it doesn't matter how successful a person is doesn't matter how driven that person is 99% of the time that conversation will be far less than ideal
0: Mm.
1: because they cannot conceive ideal
0: it's so true it's like they don't know they don't let
1: their brains go there because that's not reality that's not realistic but we need to imagine ideal for us to be able to get there. If our brains can't conceive it, we can't get there. Super fascinating. Well, I love that you shared
0: some of these things that you do on the inside, because I know sometimes people are here coaching and they're like, what is that? What actually goes on in there? (laughs) So this is really good to kind of give people an insight into if, if you are interested in getting to a place where you understand yourself better and removing all the roadblocks and obstacles and just being more successful and more present in your life. This is what coaching can do. So thank you so much for coming on and and sharing that. It's fantastic. And Kim, if somebody wants to work with you, where should they go?
1: Yeah, best place to look us up is frameofmindcoaching.com. But also, we just recently launched a new coaching platform for young professionals that is a little bit more accessible financially and otherwise. um, And that's called the Journal that Talks Back.
0: Okay, perfect. So we will have links to both of those in the show notes. Amazing. Thanks again for coming on and sharing that. Now, for all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? especially all of these insights about our blind spots and all the things that are possible with coaching i think that's exciting if you are a feeler how did hearing this make you feel and all of you doers out there what are you going to do based on what you've heard maybe you'll pick up some journaling maybe you'll rethink your work-life balance paradigm now regardless of what your personality code is my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience and that by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review, telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can also leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you are ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week.